2: Imagine the power
1: to say to an ex-president, get the hell out of here. I have that power at the Elmer Cigar House. For instance, if uh, that feeble-minded Joe Biden were to walk in, I would do that to a sitting president. Hey, diapers, get the hell out of my store, you Marxist son of a dog. I'd do it. Couldn't wait to do it. be all excited. Like I do to the people who voted for him now. Get out. Get out. Stay out. Because it's private property. And private property in the bundle of rights has the right of exclusion. That's why I love private property. You get out. I've done it to family, former friends, and all Marxists I encounter. I enjoy it. Facebook says to Trump, you're banned. Twitter, like the end of the godfather they got me that morning, the 6th. I even tweeted about some benign Soviet doctor Dr. Robert Murphy on WGN. He's the one on WGN who actually had a picture behind him of a hammer and sickle in the bottom. He received that while he, you know, during the Cold War, he was sympathetic to the Soviets. And uh, he was a fan of their art. He said, you know, it was very, very good because, you know, the Soviets are known for their art. Their art and their coffee and then their desserts, I believe, is what the Soviets were known for. Not so much their gulags and their gray uniforms they made everybody walk around in, but their art. So, um... Dr. Murphy said something in the morning and I had said, look at this Soviet sympathizer. And that was it. My Twitter was banned and I've never been back on. So Facebook throws off the former president. So, right. So private property, we're private property people. Of course, they have the right to to do that. But you as the consumer have rights too. So what I did when I saw this, and this is the, the, the unusual effect that it's had on me. Because I am so disgusted by the people who are not up front. The one thing I'll give some respect for the welfare bunnies and the Chicago Marxists is at least they tell you that they're Marxists. They don't hide it. The never Trumpers and the and the and the libertarians, they don't have the courage to do that. So they they hide behind false virtue shields and they say, well, I didn't like, you know, he was crass. And there were policies I didn't go for. So uh, I voted for Biden. Now, they might not finish with that sentence, but that's what they really did. Whereas I say, I couldn't stand some of the Trump policies. Couldn't stand them. I think Roger Stone is a freak. Couldn't stomach that freak. And I remember what he did when he was um, with the Stone, Manafort, and Black. So Stone and Manafort to me were scumbags I never cared for them. Steve Mnuchin, bizarre looking son of a gun, wasn't he? He looked exactly like Liza Minnelli. And uh, he's got the third wife who looks like he just grabbed her out of a gentleman's club in Vegas. And uh, he's in charge of all the money. I said to myself, well, that's not my kind of guy either. So there were very specific things that I said, well, that's not capitalism. That's corporatism. But I remembered what Donald Trump was. He was a developer from New York. So I never really expected him to be a hardcore conservative. But he surprised me. In many things, he was far more conservative than 80% of the Republicans that were in the field. So I took the good with the bad, and I said, okay, let's hope for the best. Let's correct him when he's wrong, and let's take on issue by issue, because that's what I like to do. Always, always moored to Americanism and capitalism. But when I see this kind of an atrocity, which is what this is, this isn't an example of property rights. This isn't an example of capitalism or Americanism. This is censorship, This is the direct violation of freedom of speech. Direct violation of it. And that's what a Marxist is. That's why Marxists try to ban words. Try to ban people. They're afraid of confrontation and the opposite opinion. They can't argue with it. So like yesterday when I ended the show, on the very simple fact that in every district that happened to go for Joe Biden, it was a Democrat mafia district. Where the voting rolls turned out in excess of 90 percent, in my opinion, impossible didn't happen. it is unjust, which is why, when, when Joe Biden successfully usurped the White House, I gave up my consent to be governed. I started something right here in the in the studio that was, "Hey, listen, I revoke my consent to be governed by this fraud, this flaccid fascist. I will not." Recognize his authority and I don't and I come out here and I tell you why everything he does is steeped in force and he is in fact a fascist. He's not a Democrat, but most of the Democrats are Marxist, which is why this election was crucially important because now this is normal. An ex-president has a company that really derives its income from what derives its income from selling your data, your data. Not anything else. You are its economic engine. It sells what it knows about you. It spies on you. It turns on your phone. So my answer to this is quite simple. I deleted the app and my old Note 9, which my producer, who I respect and love, Macbeth, makes fun of me for. It looks newer. The screen looks fixed. I don't even see the crack anymore. It feels lighter and I feel better because I am no longer Facebook's slave. Gone. So if you try to communicate with me, you fans out there, which I get all the messages, sometimes I look, sometimes I don't. It wasn't like I was really on it much, but I did utilize it. I did enjoy using Facebook for what it's really good for, which is what? Looking at old girlfriends. That's all it is. It's like a cross between Tinder and eHarmony for old people. That's the only reason anybody over 50 uses it. They check out their old glovers, their old girlfriends, and they see how everything's going for them. That's it. And that's all this stupid thing was anyway. It's a stupid, moronic system. It's not a communication device. You lived before Facebook, and you'll live long after. My real goal is to make sure that it, its stock plummets, that its significance diminishes, that Facebook and Zuckerberg and all of those neo-fascist scum that collaborate with the new Marxists calling themselves Democrats, they go out of business. So no more are you going to get me. And I challenge you to do the same. Revoke your permission. Delete that damn app. There's 50 other options out there. 50. The Sean Thompson show is on Rumble from, uh, at least if Jim Minardi wasn't busy eating. It's on Rumble. And you could find it on YouTube. You could find it on the station's website. You could find it everywhere. So I I say to Facebook, not me. Not anymore. Not after you do this. Now you could have it. Now you could go with the never Trumpers, the Marxists, the Keystone Libertarians. Have a good time because it's not worth it for me anymore and it shouldn't be worth it for you. The way I look at it, 74 million people were robbed, taken advantage of. And it could not have happened if a massive amount of Republicans also didn't feel the same way. So I say it's time to completely start over. I don't need Liz Cheney. I don't need her with her bowling ball figure. I don't need Mitt Romney with his, I wish I was good enough to be Don Draper hairdo. I don't need them for anything. And I don't need the GOP and old lady face Mitch McConnell. It's time to specifically support individuals. No more parties. I don't need them telling me what's acceptable. Because you know what? They like this system of tyranny. They like the system of corruption and corporatism. They love it. They can't wait to cash in. That's why they're letting this feeble old moron destroy every sense of every principle of Americanism with very little pushback. Very little. So you just take your stand where you can. And this was my point when I had the cigar store. If you are a Democrat from Chicago, too stupid to know you're supporting a Marxist mafia, get away from me. I'm in essence doing you a favor too. I am telling you, I don't want you in my store. I don't want your money. Why would you want to give it to me? It's the same flip side for Facebook. They are telling you they don't like the principles of Americanism. Why are you giving them your data? You are giving it to them. You open your little page up and yada, yada, yada. We have, a, we have an advertiser uh, uh, here on, uh, on, the, on the show, buyright.com, R I T E. There you go. You got a company? Put it on buyright.com. Simple. There's numerous other ones. It starts with you. You feel helpless. You're not helpless. You're an individual, and for right now, that still means something. I understand in the grand scheme of things, with the customary GOP and the, the Marxists and the communists and the socialists using the Democrat Party to, to, as a Trojan horse to subvert every aspect of our life and our future, you're still an individual in this country. And by the way, that brings me to my next story, the one I was going to lead with before Facebook ruling. Labor secretary backs employee status for gig workers. Now, see, this seems benign, doesn't it? Labor secretary uh, stands. He's going to support the uh, the 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 gig workers or he's not going to support the workers. No, 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 he's not. He's going to support the unionization of workers. So I want you to hear this.
3: The Labor Department under the Biden administration blocked a Trump era rule Wednesday that would have made it easier for companies to classify workers as independent contractors instead of employees under federal law. The move comes one week after Labor Secretary Marty Walsh told Reuters that many gig workers should be classified as employees who deserve company benefits. His boss, President Biden, is a big supporter of labor unions. Gig workers are independent contractors who perform on-demand services, such as child care providers and drivers working for companies like Uber and DoorDash. The rule under the Trump administration would have made it harder for workers to earn a minimum wage and get paid overtime. That rule was supposed to take effect last month, but did not because the Biden administration was reviewing it the withdrawal takes effect thursday on wall street wednesday shares of uber lyft and doordash fell more than two percent in early trading
1: Ah, who cares who cares what they're right you what's the difference they're big companies they could afford it how many people need those jobs need that income how many people freelance second and third job and how many people are unaware this isn't about gig workers don't let that word deceive you this is about independent contractors and the arrangement those workers have with those bosses, those companies, and those providers. So don't, don't let the word gig make it seem like it's only going to affect a, a small a percentage of Americans. This affects everybody. How many people have benefited from Uber? I don't like Uber. I use Lyft. How many people benefited from Lyft? How many lives were saved for drunk driving? Why? Because it's cheap. Even a drunk can figure out, it's really not worth it to get in my car. It cost me eight bucks to go home. Well, why do you think that the Biden administration and the labor secretary, Marty Walsh, why do you think they support getting rid of the independent contractor? I could tell you why. Because this Marxist mafia scum is exactly what I say it is. See, Walsh, he joined the laborers union local 223 at age 21. And served as the union's president until he became the mayor of Boston. Where he sits now as one of the most important people in this country. As the labor secretary. And what are his qualifications? He's a union gangster. An extortionist for all labor. This isn't benign. This isn't to help people. This isn't to save Uber or Lyft or you. This is to drive up those costs. Because now these so-called gig workers, also known as independent contractors... Now they're going to be forced to be in the mafia union, where this Irish gangster ruled like Sam Giancana, only half the man. A little short in the trousers. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. I always feel like me. Now I realize I broke the golden rule of opening monologues. I mixed two topics in, but that's all right. Smartest people in Chicago are listening to this station. You can handle two topics. So I'm going to take calls on two topics, right? And that's because I'm going to lead with Teresa on the north side. Hi, Teresa.
3: Hi, Sean. You? Uh, you know, I quit Facebook and Twitter and Instagram like eight years ago because,
2: quite frankly, they just all bored the hell out of me, to be honest with you. I, it was just like, I, I really don't get this. So, you know, I, I quit it eight years ago, and my life is just fine.
1: Really? You, don't, also, you don't miss um, those old boyfriends you dusted 35 years ago that just wanted to see if you got fat or not? You don't miss them? No. All right. no Fair enough. Not at all. All right, just checking. All right. And, <laughs> and here's uh, the thing, Teresa. I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a reason I, pl- I put those two stories together. Because uh-huh. if you go go back, and everybody can, and you look at the hearings, the congressional hearings, Senate hearings, when they brought in these Internet companies, There was an innuendo by these Marxist politicians to knuckle them under. So what they did, in my opinion, and I'm speculating, is they conformed and picked their horse. And they figured, I better sidle up with these Marxist fascists pretending to be Democrats. Because what they'll do to me is what they're doing right now to Uber, to Lyft, to all these other companies that have independent contracts. See, at the threat of government tyranny and unionization, I think a lot of these companies said, all right, I am going to pick a side. Because I think Zuckerberg is, is was too smart to want to limit his audience, which is why now I yeah. think he should pay the cost and lose the 74 million people that were robbed in November. That's just my opinion. Thank you. I appreciate the call. All right, now we go to my guy. Baloney, Mike, Northside, what's up? Hey,
2: I belong to the Raiders Union. That Marty Walsh is a sellout. He's an Uncle Tom. He's a Benedict Donald. First thing that <clears throat> Uh, Biden, Bush, on a speakerphone? You're on yeah, a
1: speakerphone? First of all, you got too many chins to be on a speakerphone. Put the phone by your head so I could hear you. Will you please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, first thing
2: Biden did when he got into office, 45 minutes after he sat his keister in the Oval Office, he stopped the pipeline. 80,000 union laborers lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods, and he says, Well, let them go make solar panels. We can't compete because China uses slave labor.
1: So the Democrats want to get rid of the unions and they
2: want slavery.
1: That's what they want. They they... want a caste system. And I'll tell you, Mike, it's an interesting point you make. Thank you, by the way, for the call. I do appreciate it. Because what it really shows is that the the, the actual specific individuals in the unions, they don't care about. They're fungible. Because what Joe Biden understood is he'll just unionize the green energy companies. He will now unionize the independent contractors. So he didn't care if he destroyed the 35,000 or whatever 145,000 that it'll eventually lead to. He doesn't care if he destroys those union members lives because in his mind, he'll just have new union strength. See, that's what the union members don't understand. There is a reason they don't want you to produce to your highest ability. There is a reason they they tell you, hey, what are you doing? You're going to get that job too fast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down there, buddy. They don't want exceptionalism. They want minimum output at very high costs. That's what a union is. And that's why there's always a fight to keep union members at a minimum. Not, they're not interested in you producing greater than the guy next to you. They just want that guy getting paid the same thing. And they want numbers on the job because that's all you are in a union. You're not Tom or Steve or Joe. You're not exceptional. You're just number one, two or three. And where you're gone, they'll just get another business agent's moron cousin with a cork on his fork at Thanksgiving in that job to sit on his duff and wait for break. And that's what they're looking to do to every Uber driver. Think about it. you got to look at it like a gangster, baby. You need every union guy paying dues. You need every Uber driver, every Lyft driver, every DoorDash. You need them paying dues. After all, guys like uh, Marty Walsh, he can't go to lunch at Gibson's unless he's got big numbers. They need big numbers to pretend they're men when they go to lunch at Gibson's, when they sit there all afternoon and wait for the $10 hookers to come and join them. That's what they need. They need members. They don't need production, and they don't need success. Mike, Mount Pleasant, how are you?
2: Mike? Yeah, a while back. Can
1: you hear me okay? No, I can't. Go ahead, bud. Hi, right, very good. Yeah,
2: uh, well, the reason I believe uh, Donald Trump went to Twitter in the first place is so you know, he can his words out directly to the American public without being censored, and his words chopped up by the big state, which owns radio stations, new pa- newspapers, etc. He can start his own format called True Talk. The first word in Trump is true, T R U. literally. He
1: can start his own format, say what he wants, Get it on a computer. Well, Mike, I, 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 I have to tell you, brother. Listen, I, as you can tell, you hear me, right? In this particular election, there was no choice to me, Trump or whatever. But you have to be careful, because when you say the first thing in Trump is true, Trump told many a fish story, kid. Let's not, let's not be zealots now, and let's not run blindly. And, and do you want a service that's owned and operated by a politician? Or do you want a service that maybe a politician uses because everybody could use it because of freedom of speech? So, you know, you got to be careful, Mike, but I, I understand your point, and that's the danger we run in. See, this is the backfire that I think the Marxists and the, and the Zuckerbergs underestimated. What you're going to do is you're going to take a guy th- that you wanted to silence, and you're going to make him so popular that people start, stop using their intellect and use their loyalty. And that's a dangerous street, too. I don't want to promote that. What I do want to promote is the American principles that were stifled. And that is the stifle of freedom of speech. You can have two things exist in the same argument. You can have the property rights that every company should have. And you could have the fact that it's an atrocity. Because you stifled freedom of speech of an ex-president. Those two things can exist. Let's not run to the other side and say everything this guy does now is great. Because you got to remember something. How I opened up. What the hell are you doing, Roger Stone? Paul Manafort, and Liza Minnelli, Steve Mnuchin. What are you doing with them, guys? Those are three bad caballeros, three Democrats, three, and they were very powerful. So let's not lose our perspective. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I was hoping Miles would hang on. I wanted to take him the two ninety, and I'm not going to pretend that I knew what he was going to say because I didn't talk to him. But what he was basically his point was. You've got to look at what unions did in the past. And I, I, you know, people think I'm ignorant to unions. I've been been involved with unions my whole life. I know the spiel. And they're using a misconception as a veil of virtue. That being said, I'm not anti-union if it wasn't what it unfortunately is, which is an extortion racket. It just is. It's a a racket that pretends to deliver a product it doesn't. And it's a racket built on class warfare and envy and covetous. It's built on the principles of Marxism. And they want you to hate the business owners rather than understand the way in which an economy works. And they want you to look at things from the eyes of the virtuous entitled rather than the uber productive member of society they claim to represent, which is why their biggest fear is competition. It's why they have to use the dues of workers and their political clout to guarantee the absence of competition. It's actually a a brilliant way in which you've bastardized the economy and corrupted the economy. And that is the real legacy of unions. And that's why nobody talks about Marty Walsh's salary. Nobody cares what the union presidents make or what their business agents make or their packages or their expense accounts or their travel vouchers. Nobody cares because the politician understands that that is a loyal voting base and they will step and fetch and vote the way their union hierarchy, also known as labor extortion mafias, tell them to vote. And anything opposing that is a threat. CEOs are a threat to that. Businesses that are not unionized are a threat to that. And that's why they made the hit list of the flaccid fascist diapers Biden.
4: The average CEO of the Fortune 500 companies made it's like 36 times what the average employee that corporation made. So over 400. How
1: much does the union boss make as opposed to the union member or the person trying to get into the union? You know, the one that doesn't have the envelope to buy that cellulite ridden business agent. How much does the union boss, how much did Marty Walsh make? And what was Marty Walsh's expense account, his travel account? What was his voucher system worth? What good is Marty Walsh? After all, he's a union boss kind of CEO. Fifty times as much now.
4: As my mother would say, who died and left them, boss? (laughs) No, seriously, what
1: rationale? Tell me what benefit
4: flows from that.
1: The CEO makes the decisions that the company follows to profitability in a capitalist system. The CEO's compensation is none of your diaper wearing business, you feeble fascist. By the way, Joe, how did you amass 20 million, 15 million in real estate holdings being a step and fetch senator? How did you do it? How does Joe Biden own mansions all over this country? How? But the CEO is the bad guy.
4: We're not going to deprive any of these executives of their second or third home. What about your Travel second or third? Travel privately by jet. What but about it's you? It's not going to affect their standard of living at all. Not a little tiny bit.
1: But I can affect the standard of living of the people I grew up with. Nobody you grew up with is still earning money. Nobody. They're all waiting for rice pudding in the clicker.
4: If they have a job... I can expect to make sure the standard of living people I grew up with. Spit it out. If they have child care can afford it, so 20 million women can be back in a workforce. This is just not makes no sense to me. Because you're an idiot. But it's gonna, I'm going to have to be able to explain this, and I'm going to keep banging at it. Yeah. I think I'm not being solicitous. So I'm not trying to well, no. ruin your reputation. I think most of no, you no, understand no. what I'm saying, whether you agree with me or not. I think no. you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, we understand. We understand. And it's fair to say this is about <laughs> making the average multimillionaire pay just a fair share. It's not going to affect their standard of living a little
1: bit. Why doesn't the senator pay a little more? How does a senator? By $19 million in real estate. How does it work? How does Paul Ryan, who's never ever had a job, see, I, I, we do bipartisan skullduggery. How does Paul Ryan or John Boehner live in a $2.5 million condo in Marco? A, how does it work? Maybe the congressman and the Senate should pay their fair share. But see, you write the laws where you and your wife get to hide $10 million in your speaking engagements slash bagman payoffs under a, an S Corp. You get to manipulate it just like Chubby Pritzker's family and the Panama Papers. But yet all of these bourgeoisie proletariat representatives are going to w- do it for the worker party. The worker party. It's the same Marxist claptrap that not only builds these ghettos like Chicago and Cook County, but get, rallies the votes of the covetous who, instead of wanting to work their way into prosperity, want to steal it? Because what are they, after all? They're thieves without the courage to do it themselves. They want the diaper-wearing fascists to do it. Joe and Dundee.
3: Hey, big guy. How are you? Yeah. Uh, first option uh, CDs uh, deck holder back in
1: 1981. Oh, look at you! Wow, that was good. I was in seventh grade.
3: Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, look, 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 if it wasn't for union members crossing over and voting for Trump, you would have never been elected. Yeah. We have a problem in this country. You know, I mean, it's uh, uh, it, it's not like, uh, you know, the JFK Democratic Party anymore. uh, No, but you you have to understand, uh, Joe,
1: these union members are are, are promoting the Marxism that Joe Biden just played against the CEOs. So I agree with you. I got it. I agree with you. Trump had the crossover of the voters. And here's the other thing. They can never risk that again. They can never risk that again. So what they need to do is create massive amounts of new union loyalty. Because you know as well as I do, we're from Chicago, brother. How many Chicago union members voted for Trump?
2: Well, no, in, in my building alone, I would say about uh,
1: 50%. Well, that's a big win. That's so, a big win. Y-
2: yeah. I should have I mean, I uh, been specific.
1: You know. I should have said SEIU union workers. Now you're going to well. be down to 30%, right? And that's why the aldermen in Chicago, by the way, Joe, thank you for the call and thank you for your listening. I mean I mean it, and thanks for making the call. And by the way, you duck holders in the CUD, we were nothing like us. I was an ARB clerk in the back month Euros, brother. That's where the men were. Thank you for calling. I'm kidding. Thank you. Um, that's why the aldermen who are riddled in scandal in Chicago pretend to want to want to stoke the, the, the worker party in the unions. I had this clip last week from a from a real scoundrel, o- open socialist alderman in Chicago.
3: Today, they staged a protest outside a luxury hotel demanding help from lawmakers. WGN Sean Lewis reports.
5: More than a year since the start of the pandemic, a call to keep jobs safe for laid off hotel workers outside the Four Seasons Hotel downtown. Among them is Melvin Tate.
6: I started working here about 18 years ago. When the pandemic hit, they called me and they fired me.
5: Thousands of hotel workers in Chicago are still without those jobs. The demonstration outside the Four Seasons comes as it reopens. Workers have a real fear that, you know, after working for 10, 20 years at some of these hotels and other businesses,
1: that they won't be called back once those businesses start reopening. Now, do the business owners have a real fear that the businesses they bled, sweat, borrowed and stayed up nights worrying about? We're going to reopen after the politicians like this two-bit, 50 thief alderman that shut them down? Do the business owners matter? See, how does it work? Maybe somebody could enlighten me. Does business merely exist for the worker? Is that why business exists?
5: Larger scale. Right now, 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez is among a few in Chicago City Council pushing an ordinance to protect laid-off workers, putting them ahead of any new employees when hiring starts again. So you don't even
1: get to decide who to hire as the business owner. You don't get to decide. They go ahead. So now the alderman gets to decide who gets their job back, not the business owner. You're going to tell me this is a free country built on capitalism and the individual rights of property? You're going to tell me that this even resembles a shadow of what American principles are. This is the Soviet Union with a real big infrastructure. I'm telling you right now, this is what happens when you allow Marxists to pretend to be Democrats and pretend to be an American political party. Before you know it, Alderman in the most corrupt city on the planet, the joke of the planet is Chicago, Illinois. Joke of a city. Are deciding and telling companies what employees they get to hire i mean after all we got joe biden and 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 his labor secretary telling them what you have to pay your workers is it your company does the company exist for the owner and for the service it provides or does it exist for the union mafia and the workers who the government tells you to work tells you who to hire are you starting to see a trend here you don't really believe they're still democrats I mean, there are. They just call themselves Republicans like Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney. 312-642-5600. We'll be back. Cannot believe the first hour is almost gone. See, I love doing radio. I know I'm doing it all wrong. You know how many guys say, hey, don't, don't play double clips, two stories. But in Chicago, we have an edge on everybody. We know where this is going. We are from a city that was overthrown from within. Corrupted, bastardized principles. And now it's normal. To have aldermen that are open socialists and Marxists come out and pretend to care about the worker party when all they really care about are the the dues and how it gets to pay off these politicians. It's one giant money laundering scheme. It's not about the worker. They could give a rip about workers. It's not about the work. That's why they never tell you to produce at high capacity. Chip St. Charles. Um, Sean, I've listened to uh, Chicago
2: politicians my whole life talk about um, their fair share. And uh, what I figured out about that is it means uh, we're raising taxes and
1: uh, we're going to chase every business out of here that we can. And uh, that's what Joe Biden is saying when he's talking about fair share. And Joe Biden Um, is from a state that was created to strictly circumvent taxation. The, The joke of all jokes. Delaware is a corporate shill. It's a joke where Joe Biden is from. And this guy's going to come out and talk about fair? I mean, and, and the idea, listen, he's a 50-year political whore who has been paid off to the tunes of tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, whose entire family produces nothing but access to this piece of garbage. And this guy's going to come out and you're going, to, you're going to now work for unions to destroy free business and capitalism? I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, the the, the the Republicans should draw up impeachment papers. He's threatening CEOs. In Illinois, it's been especially insidious in that we chased talent
2: out of this state like you wouldn't believe. They all left. They all went to Texas. They all went to Tennessee. I used to do product development, and um, it isn't done
1: here anymore. Well, Chip, here's here's, you forgot Florida, number one, where the, the, you know. Well, you're right, you're right. (laughs) But here's the other thing, Chip, don't worry about it, because I don't know if you saw Stephen Moore's article in the, uh, I believe it's the Washington Times, I'm going to have to narrow in on that. Um, But don't worry, the Census Bureau under Biden, they revised the numbers. And magically, New York, New Jersey, and Illinois, they didn't lose as much people as first thought. You know why? Because they're liars and they're cheats. And they're crooked. Thank you, Chip, for the call. Yeah, they, they, that, that's my favorite one. I got it here somewhere. I'm going to have to find it. Uh, it's not as bad as, they, as first anticipated. All they got to do is just change the numbers. I mean, it's like the Federal Reserve. Just click the mouse. It's not as bad as you think it is. Kyle in Woodridge.
2: It's just, um, You know, good afternoon. Uh, keep up the good work as always. But I just want to rant a little bit. And I'll try to control myself. Right. It's astounding how often and nothing else can fail so often and create such a loyal fan base as government. You look at private industry. And if private industry is doing well, their employees will do well. If government comes down on them, their employees don't do well. And when their employees don't do well, they don't look at the cause of what's hurting the business. They just whine about the business and turn to government to use it as a gun against And
1: now them. I want you to think Why? about Why? Because s- they're not doers. They're not doers. They're just lazy, false-entitled yeah, Marxists who yeah. think they're somehow owed something by life. But they're in but, a brilliant uh, position, Kyle. And here's the position that nobody's talking about. A bunch of people who would have never done it, have now taken loans they don't know the terms to, and when the government wants to rear its ugly head and then fill you in on the terms, now they really got you. I mean, how many billions upon billions were pushed out in PPP loans that nobody knew terms about? And now you're going to need their approval and grace to somehow have it forgivable, as if there's free money? Kyle, it's worse than you think. It's worse than any of us think. And that's why you can't turn on the economy like a switch. We should have never let these despots put us under house arrest and steal our property. It's a rotten shame, and we don't know how it's gonna end. I'll be back
0: from the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned.
1: You know, I don't like politicians. I specifically dislike frauds, one of my absolute and total favorites, and a man who I respect for not just the fact he changed America and made it better, but his character was unwavering. His principles articulated and never abandoned. He's one of the greatest people to ever live, in my opinion. I I don't feel that's hyperbole. I feel that's the truth. I think Ronald Reagan was one of the greatest people to ever live in this country or on this planet. Can you imagine having the perspective of being raised by Ronald Reagan? Well, our next guest does. Michael, I am honored and privileged to speak to you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thank you for this book, because it gives us a little insight. Lessons My Father Taught Me. It had to be something to grow up uh, as the son of, Mike, of, of, of Ronald Reagan. And it had to be something, even when he was yelling at you. I'm wondering, were you a typical teenager? Did you say, Dad, shut up oh, the yeah. way my kids do? Go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah. And listen, when, when my dad decided to run for governor back in 1965, I was 20 years old. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, wow, this could going make
1: it easier to get dates. <laughs> um, Use the old man as leverage. Dates, a job. Yeah, I mean, you had it set.
2: I, hello? You know, I know this guy's. I know this guy's trying to pick up on you in the bar, but my dad's the governor of the state. So <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, I was telling a twenty-year-old kid, I, I, the first vote I ever cast for anybody was when I turned twenty-one, nineteen sixty-six. I voted, you know, for my father, and I voted. He was on the ballot every year until what, nineteen eighty-eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. I said to myself, "Well, who do I vote for now? He's not on the ballot for the first time." In right. my entire life, but I was a typical, a typical kid. You know, when my I went to high school, and I, I figured out real soon in high school, I said to myself, you know, something I can get away with a lot in high school if I book my father to be the uh, the commencement speaker at my graduation. That's and right. because they'll never kick me out of school because they're going to love to have Ronald Reagan as a commencement speaker. Now see I mean, here, I really worked. The, I worked the room.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Now, I'm a, I'm a big film guy. I, I, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So I am a big fan of your mother and, and your father. And, but your mother, Jane Wyman, most people don't realize you actually, you, you, your mother is Jane Wyman. You, were, you went through the divorce of Ronald Reagan's first divorce. You lived through that tumultuous time, and you, you have kind of a different perspective than I think people um, are aware of. And you were that Beverly Hills brat, so to speak, weren't you?
2: I was, I was a Beverly Hills brat, and I told people I was. I mean, Sundays at the Beverly
1: Hills Hotel, uh, you know, just, hanging out with Bob was, Hope, Bing Crosby. I mean, come on, it's it's insanity. Your life is but, insane. But,
2: but the downs, the downside was that all of us kids were put into boarding schools because our parents were so busy. So we were all in boarding schools, guarding ourselves to sleep at night and and what have you. Um, my mom was the big actress of the time I and mean, Academy award winner in 1948, best movie with Ray Milan, 1946, best song with Ben Crosby, you know, 1951 and, and what have you. But, you know, I, I talked about this in my well, in my book and also the eulogy of my father. The, the great thing about my dad is even after the divorce, he never forgot he had that first family and he never forgot about Maureen and I. And he, you know, he'd pick us up on those Saturdays and ride us out to the ranch and tell us stories. Story learned about America. Right after the ranch on a Saturday morning with my dad and, and cutting firewood and, and swimming and riding horses and shooting ground squirrels and, and all you know, those kinds of things. They were just great days. And one of the things I say in my book is, you know, divorce is when two parents walk into their child's room, break everything the child loves, walk out and expect the child to put it back together. We don't really put it back together very well, mm. and uh, but it was important to Dad to stay in our lives and be part of our lives, and thank God he did. And I don't think you really realize how great your parents are sometimes till you're a little older and you start to understand, you know, more of what they went
1: through and what what made them become who they were. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. But it's the reality. The reality is Ronald Reagan didn't necessarily desire to be a politician. It was for the love of country. And I think, didn't he just ooze that all the time? I mean, I remember during the Goldwater speech in 61, you realized this isn't a guy that's doing something he doesn't believe in. He believes in every fiber and every principle of Americanism. And I'm curious to know, was he dragged into politics or is it something he said, I'm going to do it? Because I want to I wanna change things, or I want to profit from it, or I want to get in on that kind of Bush corporatism. Or was he somebody who kind of did it because he wanted to straighten the country out?
2: I think a little bit of both. But it, it, dad was really kind of interesting because he did talk politics a lot. I, I learned about the tax system in America riding out to the ranch of my dad at eight years old. <laughs> I wanted a larger allowance. He said, well, the president's elected gives me a tax break, I'll give you a larger allowance. Uh, So I really learned about those things. But, you know, it's interesting. The left is uh, almost 100 percent responsible for my dad getting into politics. You know, he was doing television. He had the General Electric creator back in the late 50s, going to the 60s. And then one day, Bobby Kennedy picks up the phone calls The head of General Electric and says, listen, you got this guy running around the country going to G uh, stores. And telling them that my, my brother is a terrible president and raising taxes. And, you know, you have your you have your contracts coming up with this country and next year. And, you know, if you want those contracts, it might be a good idea to find a way to get rid of this guy. 72 hours later, my dad doesn't have a television show. General Electric Theater is canceled. huh? And so here he is sitting on the sidelines now. And he did a little stuff, you know, a little with Borax and so on. But it really kind of ticked him off. Why he lost his job, but he had extra time, and all of a sudden you find him endorsing, you know, Barry Goldwater in 1964, and writing a gr- one of the great speeches of all time in politics. I suggest people read it, you know, "A Time for Choosing," mm-hmm. and then and then the onslaught started with people coming to him to run for governor. First they wanted to run for state senator, and then, and Nancy said that ain't going to happen, and then they said let's run for you know for uh, state uh, uh, Congress, or, you know, and, and they said that's not going to happen. And finally, they came to him for governor, and he ended up running for governor. But had he not lost the job with GE, he still would have been doing a general electric television show and not had time to get into politics with Barry Goldwater. So, what my dad did, and I talked about the book, what he did is he turned a, 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 a bad thing into a great thing. He made lemons out of lemonade. I mean, lemonade out of lemons. And most of us don't do that anymore. We feel sorry for ourselves too long.
1: And people forget the impact he had in California. He literally—that's where he really earned his his uh, conservative bona fides. There is—is is oh. that he was that uh, people forget that he was uh, an absolute and total at one time in his life a Democrat, president of the union learned through example and through his own, his own path of history that that was the wrong path, and then became to where Milton Friedman was his economic advisor.
2: Yeah. I mean, he was a great, yeah. When California was great, you know, he was the governor of the state of California, and gave us our first surplus, took the surplus, turned it around, and gave it back to the people of the state of California. What a concept. Mm-hmm. And really, really, you know, did his work then, and then, of course, 1976, uh, running uh, against Gerald Ford in 1980, of course, winning the presidency uh, of the United States. Um, and, you know, he, you know again, he, he made friends of enemies, uh, and we don't do that anymore. We don't make friends of enemies. And you look at what he was able to accomplish in the 1980s as president of the United States, the end of the Cold War, working with the Pope. Working with Margaret Thatcher, left the Lynch Savako Havel, you know all of them, we found a way to work with people, and today we don't do that. We don't work with people today.
1: And I'm curious well. I'm curious, Michael, when you see the modern day Republicans and but what I mean by that are, are the Liz Cheneys and the Mitt Romneys, revert back to those Republicans that really kind of were against your father, what do you see the future? Now that we really are void of a Ronald Reagan personality and the charisma he had, do you see the Republican Party forever being unmoored from the principles of Americanism? Or do you see maybe a Ronald Reagan out there that I'm unaware of? Are you optimistic at um, maybe uh, that kind of character coming up?
2: I tell people when I go out and speak, it's a difference between Democrats and Republicans. is Democrats are led by ideology, 100%. Republicans had to be led by a leader. Lacking a leader, they're all over the board, and that's what you're seeing them all over the board because there's no real leader right now. Yet Trump is down in Florida, but he lost the last election, and, and so what you need is real leadership. Ronald Reagan was a real leader, where he could bring those who disagreed with him, uh, you know, to the table and get things done. And you're going to need those people who are the outliers who don't agree with you on every issue known to mankind. You've got to to find a way to bring them in, because when you have a party, take the state of California, we're outnumbered by Democrats two to one. You can't afford to start getting rid of people. I think that's going to gain gain you anything. And the same thing at the national level, when you're outnumbered, you've got to find a way to get to independence. You've got to find a way to keep your people as well as you can instead of just bailing on them. You might feel they bailed on you in many cases they have. But sometimes it's better not to. Um, you look at my dad getting the largest tax break in American history. past, you know, nineteen eighties. He had to reach out and bring Tip O'Neill into the building.
1: Yeah, but and, you could and, do that with do some. That. You could do that with some Corvassier. That's the good news. You had Tip O'Neill. You just had <laughs> no. That. He actually, he actually did it with wine. Oh, all right. <laughs> he did
2: it with wine and Irish jokes is <laughs> what he did. But again, you, you're gonna. Not everybody's going to be on the same page all of the time. What you have to do is find a way. To find something you all agree on and move forward like my dad said politics is you know like a football field 10 yards at a time you'll get to the end zone you don't have to throw Hail Mary passes every single day and then get mad if you don't nobody's there to
1: catch it so that brings me now to, to getting along with people and bringing the other side in i got to ask you something um your your brother i want to throw him down a flight of stairs how do you do it how do you get along with it? <laughs> I mean, I, I've never seen a bigger idiot in my life. I like dogs, but your brother's a moron. How do you, how do you get along with
2: him? Uh, well, actually, I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to my brother gee, I think, since the reading of my dad's will. My sister Patty and I talk on a regular basis uh, and, and what have you. But dude, Ron's kind of a loner. He didn't talk to Patty much. He didn't talk to me and, and what have you. And he is kind of a loner. What should bother you is what's bothered me is everyone in the Democrats' Instead of looking for problems in the Republican Party, look at the Democrats. Every debate they had, they ran that atheist ad that my brother did. <laughs> uh, I'm Ron Reagan, not afraid of Bernie in hell. Every debate, they ran that ad. You're telling me that they, didn't, they couldn't sell any more time in those debates? And so they reached and got my brother's ad he did eight years ago saying he's an atheist mm-hmm. and ran that? I mean, that that tells you all you need to know about the Democrat Party. I mean, we may have problems in the Republican Party, but it's not a problem between I'm a Christian, you're an atheist. Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) here's something... We're all Christians.
1: Here's something I I want to ask you, because you know the answer. And I finally get a chance to talk to Michael Reagan because we have this feeble fascist in diapers and he's been a political whore for 50 years. Your father knew Joe Biden. What did he think of Joe Biden? Now, granted, he knew the Joe Biden who had his faculties and we're dealing with the one that doesn't. What did he think of him when he had his faculties?
2: Well, like Dad and I were talking and just joe biden was really a thorn in my dad's side to the point who's a member of that gang of eight so when the president was going to do something covertly or overtly, he would bring them in they'd have a discussion and, and joe biden you know and i think he bragged about this at one point joe biden would tell my dad if everybody else in the room agrees with you on the covert activity if i disagree with you i will in fact leak it to the press to stop it well, and if you remember we went into Grenada. Yes, dad, dad didn't yes. hold a press conference. Yes. Nobody knew about it. Uh, went into Tripoli with a couple F-14s. Nobody knew about it. It just happened. Well, you know, there's reasons those things happen because if Joe Biden would have leaked any of that information, you know, Americans could have been killed and and what have you. But Joe Biden threatened my dad that he would leak to the the information to the media to stop anything my dad was doing if he personally disagreed with it. That's the Joe Biden. Is sitting in the White House.
1: Yeah. Same one who I, in my opinion, this is my speculation, Mike, but we're friends now. I'm going to talk to you like that. I believe he's the one who leaked the Clarence Thomas thing. I really do. After what he did with Bork, I think Joe Biden is a, not only a 50-year political whore who has amassed tens of millions in just skullduggery. I think he's a rat of a human being. And I think we're in a real oh, pickle. I think,
2: I think you're right. I, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right about Clarence Thomas. You're right about those kinds of things. That's the games he played. That's the hardball. That nice Joe Biden. I'm a moderate. He's an you Irish know, you gangster. Close the doors. He's yeah. he's yeah. Close the door. He'll he'll cut your cut your knees off from underneath you. Yeah. And now we have him as president of the United States. Unfortunately, I find myself praying for him every day because the alternative scares the hell out of me. Uh-huh. With Kamala Harris.
1: Oh, it's it's it's, it's going to be a real pickle we're in, kid. That's why I'm buying your book. I'm excited about reading your book, and I have one bone to pick with you. You could tell I love, I love your father. You could tell I love him. In fact, I married the prettiest girl in the neighborhood, Little Moody. And uh, when it came time, you know, she asked me, because I'm irresistible, I said, well, her birthday is the same as Ronald Reagan's. How bad could she be? And now I'm in a pickle now, 21 years, and I'm neck deep, but I'm not getting out. And I attribute her sharing your dad's birthday to a big problem I have, but it's also a blessing. I want to thank you for joining me. And I cannot wait to go through the stories. And... Um, I'm just so excited that I got to talk to you. I want to thank you so much.
2: Well, good. People want to follow me. They follow me at Twitter, uh, at Reagan World is my Twitter. All right. And I'm there every day quite a bit. Okay. And people can get mad at me or, or smile at me, whatever they want to do. Hey, but thanks for having me on. I appreciate and, it.
1: And you're okay if I sign this book to my favorite Chicago radio host, your dear friend, Mike Reagan. You're okay with that?
2: Oh, Mike, listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what, I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. You get the
1: book to me, I'll sign it to you and send it back to you. All right, good. Well, I'm going to have to get another one because I already did that before I asked you. Thank you so much, (laughs) Mike Reagan, for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Keep your head down. Wonderful. Lessons my father taught me, Mike Reagan. We'll be back with your calls and comments. Can you imagine, seriously, can you imagine even if Reagan, if you didn't like him, he's Ronald Reagan raising you. I mean, the, the things you heard and then goes to show you, the best parents in the world. What do you get yourself? kid like Ronnie Reagan. I'll take the mic. 312-642-5600. If you have not grabbed the book, An American Life by Ronald Reagan, I highly, highly recommend it. In fact, a lot of times what I do, because I, I used to you know, drive to Florida constantly. I wouldn't fly for many years. And I would do a lot of audiobooks. And it, it, he reads it. And I'm going to tell you something right now. It's just wonderful sometimes hearing his voice.
2: We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers.
1: We certainly don't. There's very few that do. And the reason that he was so, what's the proper word? Just, just, just phenomenal as a human being is because those were his principles. He wasn't lying to you. Someone didn't write that. He had those American principles founded in individuality, in Americanism, in liberty and freedom. And he just had that wisdom. He just had it. He had spent his years early on in Chicago, in Illinois. He understood the failures and the lies and the deceit of Marxist propaganda and Democrat promises. This isn't a political party we're up against. It's not. It's an ideology of tyranny, of fascism, of despotism, of collectivism, of control. Joe Biden is an American Democrat. He's an American Marxist. The party that supports him. These aren't people you disagree with while sharing those same principles of Americanism that Ronald Reagan articulated so well. And our biggest problem is we don't have a Ronald Reagan in the shadows, really. We really don't. We need one. And it's only going to happen when the people who vote have those principles. It isn't about your favorite version of collectivism. It's about getting back to Americanism while rejecting Marxism. That is sold by Democrats and unions and the party that is the Democrat Party. We need a Ronald Reagan. Maybe he's out there and I'm unaware of it, but the answer is you can still espouse those principles and beliefs. 312 642 5600. was all excited i thought ken was asking me advice for what his son should do i think he just wants to know something out ken sheraville how are you okay sean how are you good good to talk to you you too depending on what your hey, question I'm, I'm is sorry. is my enthusiasm go ahead well since your love of cigars oh, I mean, cigars uh, i thought you meant occupation I, yeah.
2: No, my son is graduating from Purdue University with a mechanical engineering degree this coming week, Uh and uh, I wanted to celebrate with him uh, by purchasing some cigars that you might recommend.
1: Do you like your
2: son? Oh, I love my son.
1: All right, well, yeah, two two things can exist. You can love your kids and not like them. Well, you wouldn't know that you raise (laughs) sons. I raise daughters. You see the difference there? Um, I recommend the Oliva Milano V, and here... Ken, I thought you were asking me what your son should do after college, but you already know that. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. And the reason I was excited is because simultaneously, as we are starting the uh, last half hour of my show, Ken calls with a graduating son thinking, what are you going to ask him to do? Illinois, one of the worst places to do business, as they cannot even deny it. Now, look, as uh, Stephen Moore tells us in the Washington Examiner, um, why did the Biden Census Bureau add 2.5 million more residents to blue states in a population count? See, it's kind of rhetorical because what he understands is that he didn't want Illinois to lose the two seats they should have lost, New York the three they should have lost. So now that they're in charge of the White House, they're just going to lie and fraud the Census Bureau because that's what Democrats do. So if your kid is graduating college, what do you tell him to do? Under the regime of the Marxist mafia pretending to be Democrats, you don't tell them to be a CEO. You don't tell them to go into business. You specifically don't say, why don't you open up something? You can do anything if you live in these mafia-run states like Illinois or New York or New Jersey or California. In fact, if you live in these states, what do you tell your kids to do? Well, if you want to be uber rich, you get yourself one of these government cheese contracts. You go into one of these phony green energy companies. And you donate 30, 40% to the mafia figures calling themselves Democrat politicians. And you get a phony baloney gig. Or or you go and you, you work for one of these scoundrels, scallywags. And you sit next to them and you pretend they're interesting. And next thing you know is you can end up as Secretary of State. Such a corrupted, pathetic Soviet system. It's disgusting. I have kids in college. What do you tell them to do? What do you tell them to do? That's really the question. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. 642 You just give in and figure you get your kids some clout job at the county or some phony baloney job in government. Because after all, that's where the real money is. It's not going to be with a, with a guy in the White House who... And so... You eliminate a few of the,
4: just have the super wealthy begin to pay their fair share. Mm -hmm. For example, you have, you know, you have, I think it's 35 or 30 corporations didn't pay a single solitary penny last year and the Fortune 500 companies. They made $400 billion. Mm -hmm. They paid no taxes. How can that make
1: any sense? Because scumbags like you work the tax system to do exactly that. You're the one. All of a sudden, he's he's just a witness. I can't. I don't know. I wasn't the senator for 50 years. I I, I I don't know how this happened. And he can't even argue the principle that there's only 20% of people actually pay taxes in this entire country. That's it, dummy. And out of that 20%, only 16 really pay. 80% of all taxes. That's it. 16% of people pay all the taxes in this country because of a system of redistribution and corruption that Joe Biden and the other politicians orchestrated, you've now got a system of phony taxation where people are getting credits for children, people are getting credits for being married. You know, I've always wondered, why isn't the LBGTQ community, I think I got it right, by the way, why aren't they outraged at the idea that a country would somehow give a tax benefit to people who are married? Why? Because they like this system this way. This is where their power lies. You know the threat to corrupt scum like Joe Biden and the Democrats? Flat tax. Absolutely their biggest enemy, which is why they ignore the fact and the data that the only way this country is ever going to bail itself out is if you have flat taxation across the board that actually treats Americans as equal. But then you couldn't buy off specific areas and entire districts of your country if everybody played by the same rules. You need the Joe Biden corrupt rules in this country. That's why all they fight for is more leverage in a corrupt system, rather than a system of virtue. Marty and Wheaton, how are you, Marty? Marty. Oh, Sean. Yes. How are you? Buddy?
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor to talk to you.
1: Oh, it's my my honor. Thank you.
5: Thank
2: you, Marty. I am. I'm thrilled for the opportunity to talk to talk to you. All right. I, I, I have listened to you. I, I used to love when you used to just call in with your rants from time to time, and I followed you from time to time, and it's an honor to talk to you. Oh,
1: I appreciate that, Mark.
2: Thank uh, you. No, really. I mean, <laughs> you you speak for many of us, and I just— I do appreciate that about Sean, and I love him for it. Stronger.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Although I'd, I'd appreciate this much so, better if you had cleavage, but go ahead.
3: I don't. I don't have any. Uh, I'm not I'm not not taking any hormones. So. All right. Uh,
2: I just I I, want to know what what we're supposed to do. How do we how do we fight back?
1: What what do we do? To combat the bullshit. Uh, oh, the, the, you can't swear. I'm sorry. All right, so I'm going to answer you, and i got to let you go. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I love it, but you can't, you can't swear. I appreciate it. But here's the thing, Marty. What you can do is never abandon those principles. What you can do is never abandon those principles and always espouse them. And the other thing you can do is not participate in the scam. You want to know what I really want to do? I'm going to start. I'm going to talk to the suits here. I got my favorite suit still in the building. I want to start a petition to end Social Security. And that's how you do it. You revoke your consent to be governed by this corruption, and then you refuse to participate in the system that they've created, this Rube Goldberg system that turns us all into slaves. You start small. First off tonight, what you do is delete your Facebook app, get it off your phone, and don't really participate in their website anymore. I know it's hard, because after all, you're, you've been ingrained in this system. But start very, very small, and never forget, it's when you deny those principles, when you when you coexist with these tyrants. It's when you shut up and take it. That's when they win. Mark in Plainfield, no swearing, Mark. I will not swear,
6: uh, nor do I have cleavage, but I'm trying <laughs> to get some, because uh, it's a body mass index of 38, and let oh. me also say it took... Uh, <laughs> 560, about 10 years, but finally an adequate replacement for the Great Dr. Savage, and you're in.
1: Oh, that's uh, a very flattered, but I appreciate that. Thank you.
6: Yeah, you you asked earlier, uh, what are you going to tell your kids to do? And, uh, I have a 16-year-old son, and I keep saying, join the military. This is a crazy world. You want to be on the side of the people who have all... Who have all the guns. So
1: let me, well, <laughs> Mark, I'm going to ask you something, though. When you see what's going on with this kind of this 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 hesitant war profiteering of Democrats, where they pretend to be anti-war yet, like Barack Obama, that, you know, he took a two front war and made it a, a seven front war, a nine front war. When you see the the fraud and this skullduggery that happens under Democrat leadership, do you want your kid in that system?
6: Uh well, when you put it that way, you do have second thoughts, and you know, you know it's like becoming a cop. Uh, you know, you're not sure if you're coming home.
1: You know, but, when you, when you but when you look at the war history, the misguided, the self the self serving war, and I don't just mean Clinton blowing up the 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 uh, the. Uh, the, the factory in Iraq. I mean, when you look at Barack Obama, 80% of his drone strikes are on innocent people in seven countries that we didn't have conflict in when he took office. When you see the kind of Fraud that he does by signing a trillion dollar agreement with Blackwater. When you see how he's bastardized the powers of the presidency and you realize that this dimwit who pretended to be his vice president is going to expand that as they cut deals and bribe Iran, as his son sits on an oligarch run company in the Ukraine and they they are stoking the flames of corruption in communist China. Do you want your kid to be in that uniform under the the leadership of this neo-Marxist scum? No, preferably you'd
6: want a better president. And you know, look at it another way. Uh, you know, they, the the left, they've infiltrated so many institutions. Well, maybe it's time for a sixteen-year-old right-wing kid. Uh, oh, I like that. It start, in, in, start uh, infiltrating or re-infiltrating
1: yeah.
6: that. And you well, know, hopefully, they either cut me in or cut me out. Well,
1: oh, the old gangster. Yeah,
6: you know, he's 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 getting cut in, and you know, maybe
1: maybe he'll. Uh, All right, Mark. Rise up to a certain level and be able to take over. You're going to sabotage the saboteurs. See, there's always a way. Of course, by the time that kid's ready for retirement, when he's 60, we might have 3% of the government workers that are not Marxist. 312-642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back. I spend a lot of time on this. As you can tell if you listen to the show, I question government authoritarianism, and I don't pretend that we are not... Authoritarians, I don't pretend that our military isn't misused. I don't like some of the answers I get. It's bipartisan, by the way, but specifically when these fraud Democrats are at the helm. Larissa, how are you? Hi, Larissa. So you were talking about what would you tell your
2: kids after, um, after high school, right? And yep. I have
1: one in, the, one in the
2: university, one in the trades, and I just dropped my youngest off at the military on Sunday.
6: Oh. And I was
2: super excited, yeah, for him to go in the military. I let him sign up when he was seventeen over the summer, uh-huh. thinking Trump's got this. He's going to be his commander in chief. This is going to be awesome.
6: And obviously, that didn't out that way. So I'm, I'm really not excited about. It. I'm proud of him. I'm proud, no doubt. But it's yeah. not quite the same experience. Well, we're all yeah. going to. We're all going
1: to. We're all going to pray for him, and we all hope he's going to be okay. And. um it's really something to worry about when you see this incompetence, when you see exactly what the mission is, because what is it when you're paying off enemies like Iran to pretend to have some kind of a treaty that we're not going to call a treaty. When you see yeah. this stance that he's taking um, in particular in, in the middle East and you realize that they're not going to support peace and harmony and Israel and American principles. Mm-hmm. In fact, what they're going to do is really kind of step aside in, in, what happens if israel is attacked is is joe I biden on the side of of turkey on the side of syria where what is his stance with saudi arabia is he smart enough to understand the nuances or is he going to support the real tyrants in the middle east the theocrats in iran it's scary it's really scary mm-hmm. and then larissa here's the other thing what's his position uh, when it comes to to his opponents in american politics I mean, I I pray for your son, I really do, but moreover, I pray for this country because the reality is we have the clueless and the corrupt in charge the clueless and corrupt who are we have a better chance of that military being deployed against citizens in this country than for the american righteousness it historically was and that's a scary thought so larissa you tell your son you you give me a 30 second head start will you please uh i appreciate i'll be back tomorrow five to seven that's not going to win any fans in the democrats and i don't care it's marxist pigs stay out of my store and stay off my radio station come on man